On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, "'Why do you look for the living among the dead?' He is not here, he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. This is the gospel of the Lord. Please again join me in singing the response. <clears throat> Once again, a very good morning to you and a blessed Easter. If I didn't get a chance to say good morning to you before, my name is Nathaniel. I get to be pastor here. In the Lord's name, we want to welcome you. Please be sure at some point today to let us know that you're here, whether you want to check in on Facebook or some other social media or just do that on our website or even use one of those cards in front of you. Let us know somehow that we're he you're here so we can say hi to you, we can pray for you, we care about you, and we want to know how much uh, we can serve you. We love you that way. So thank you very much. Let's begin uh, to hear God's word this morning and study that word with a quick word of prayer. Heavenly Father, on this glorious day of the resurrection of Jesus, we ask that you would send your spirit to us to move in our hearts like you did in those hearts of the first women. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine for a moment somebody who uh, is accused of a crime, and maybe they're falsely accused, maybe they're rightly accused, you know, we don't know, um, but they're accused of the crime, the police investigate the crime, the, the police and the DA decide that it's worth pressing charges against the person, um, and they, they go through the whole process, they press charges, the person's reputation, their fame, their, their good name begins to be tarnished because people hear what's happening, Time goes by, and a lawyer for the defendant gets involved in the case. He takes a look at the evidence. He realizes that, that his, his defendant is innocent, uh, that he didn't commit the crime. But it's too late. The charges were filed. They've been pressed. The person's reputation, their fame, all their good name, it's, it's gone. What do you do? You need a new start, don't you? You need a, a fresh start. You need to start over so you can get your good name back. That happens in all kinds of situations where we need to get our, our, our good name back, our, where we need a fresh start. Maybe it happened to you with a, a job. Maybe you got involved in a job and for whatever reason you ended up having some conflict with your uh, coworkers. And after a while, that conflict kind of cascaded. It, it affected your job performance. Then your boss became kind of critical of you because you weren't performing as well as he would have liked. Uh, then after your, your job performance sank, your job review sank, your conflict increased, and what are you going to do? You need a fresh start. You need a new, a new day to come. 
And it can happen with all kinds of situations. We know it very well with addictions. If anybody has ever been addicted, it's plain that you can't get out of that on your own. Nobody's ever really fought their way out of a significant addiction without a whole new start, without a a do-over. And if you've ever gotten to experience a new day, a fresh start to your life, you know how wonderful it is. I've gotten to do it a couple times in my life. One time, I think significantly, where I was stuck, I was kind of embroiled in work conflict. It was affecting my work performance, and it affected then the relationships that I had with my boss and other people. Eventually, it became clear there was no way I was going to be able to dig myself out of that hole. I needed a fresh start. I needed a new day, and I got it. And it was so freeing, absolutely exhilarating. All the old rules, all the old... Uh, the guidelines, all the old constraints, everything that made me feel trapped and angry and bitter and hurt towards all of those other people and the way that things were going in life, it all went away in just that moment. I needed that fresh start, and I got it. And if you've ever had it too, you know how wonderful it is. The thing is, is most of the time, We can't change the circumstances of our life. Most of the time, we don't even want to change the circumstances of our life, do we? We're happy with our family life as it is, and it doesn't matter if our job is awful. We're not going to quit it because family and everything else is fine. We'd like a fresh start, a new way to look at the job, but we can't change the circumstances. Or maybe the family life is rough, but we're not going to change it just because we'd like to have a new family, can't get rid of the family, how can you and I get a fresh start, a new day, without changing any of the circumstances of our lives? One time, a mentor of mine asked me, you know, one of the most significant questions that I had I'd thought of. He said, are, are you happy? And I said, oh, I don't know. And he said, the challenge for you, just like for the rest of us, is to figure out how to be happy without your circumstances, apart from your circumstances. And today, God promises you and me a way to a a fresh start, a new day, a new dawn that rises for each and every one of us that has nothing to do with changing our circumstances. We can stay exactly where we are, but get a whole new way to look at life. The Lord Jesus invites you to a fresh start, a new dawn, a new reality. And he does that with the women who go to the tomb. Easter morning, the women get up, they, they head out from the tomb, they get out uh, to the, the hill, they look in the tomb, and Luke, who is something of a medical professional as well as an amateur historian, he tells us that they looked into the tomb and it was empty, and they were perplexed. Now, this kind of perplexed This is not the the perplexed or the wonder that you and I have when we look at the wonder in the galaxies or if you've wondered at the birth of a new child. This is not that kind of wonder. This wonder is, um, have you ever had to take a phone call and leave the dinner table for like two minutes and you come back to the dinner table and there's food on the table and there's food on the floor and there's food on the walls and there's food in people's hair and you say to yourself, I was only gone for two minutes. How did this happen? Right? That perplexed, that is what the angels experience. They're perplexed, 
Because in their life, in their world, people don't rise from the dead. People stay dead. See, in, in our world, it could happen at least in a little way. A little while ago, somebody I knew had a, a, an aneurysm or a stroke or something, and they, they were at home alone for maybe 15 or 20 minutes uh, with their, their heart not beating before the paramedics came and started doing CPR. They ended up getting resuscitated, and they lived for, for quite a while after that. And so, you know, you and I, we don't ask, is the person dead? We say, well, how long did they stop breathing? How long did their heart stop breathing? Did their brain function cease? We've learned to ask those questions because we know that it takes time. But nobody expected that in the ancient world. They were completely perplexed. This was, why is there food all over the walls and in the hair? Kind of perplexed. And what this is telling us, what this is saying to us, is that the gospel is a deeply challenging truth. If you're following along on the notes in the service folder on the bottom of page 7 there, you can see it on the, on the bottom page and you could even add it in if you'd like. What it's telling us is, is the resurrection is a deeply challenging truth. Everybody, if you're going to deal with the resurrection of Jesus at some point in your life, it's going to be significantly challenging to you. It will be perplexing to you. Everybody who faces the reality of the resurrection has to figure out, has to wrestle with it and say, what does this do to my world, my reality? Uh, an example, I was just uh, reading and listening to somebody a little while ago. She's a 20-something now. But when she was a child, an elementary age student, I should probably say, she read through a children's version of the Bible many times. So she knew the stories really well. Then after she had read it a numerous times, she started reading some of the Chronicles of Narnia, C.S. Lewis's books. She read Philip Pullman's books uh, on the dark, called The Dark Magic um, or the, the Dark Mysteries. And it was a very interesting experience to her. And she started asking all of these questions about the ideas that she was reading in the Bible and in these other books. For example, she read about the fall into sin in the Bible and then in, in these other books, and she started asking herself and thinking, all these great books, all these great texts, they all talk about this fall thing. Is the fall into sin really that bad? Or is it just telling us that there are always choices between good and evil in life and everybody has to make that choice? Or then she read on and she had questions about faith and goodness and she started to ask herself, wait a second, do I need God to be good or is it possible to have good without God? If, if God just dies, if he goes away from the storyline, can people still be good? Right? She was asking all of these questions to herself because she was, she was perplexed, she was confused, she was wrestling with, with the gospel of Jesus. The resurrection in that way is a deeply challenging truth. But let me give you just two ways that the resurrection is a deeply challenging truth. And this illustrates for us. So, if you lived in the ancient world before the time of Jesus, one conviction you would have is that history is cyclical, right? It, it always goes on in a cycle. What's our history? Our history moves in a line, doesn't it? It moves from 
A to B to C to D. It's a story. You get it in a chronology. That would have never happened before the resurrection of Jesus. Nobody thought that way. Or what about the fact that we think that the world is real, the physical world is real, and you can touch it? Do you know that in the ancient world, especially in Greece and in Rome, those kinds of places, they thought that everything that you could touch and see and feel was bad, it was meaningless, it, was, it didn't matter, and the only thing that mattered was the soul, was the immaterial life. Science as we know it has significantly come about because of the resurrection of Jesus. Now, think about that. That is how much the resurrection of Jesus challenges the reality that we live in. It challenges your world and mine. And so you're going to have to ask yourself, right, when this pushes on you, when it presses you, when you say, I don't know what to do about this reality, you're going to have to say, is the gospel wrong? I mean, is it wrong that, that Jesus didn't die, maybe, maybe he didn't die, maybe he didn't rise, maybe it's not true, maybe it's not real? Or am I wrong? You have to ask yourself that. Because nobody in the ancient world expected people to rise from the dead. It's easy for us to think, oh, this is just a a nice story because the people then, they would have definitely expected people to rise from the dead at all, you know. They didn't have news stations. They didn't have Wikipedia. They didn't know about all of these things. Do you know how shocking this was for the ancient world? One time, the Apostle Paul was preaching in a city called Athens in, in Greece, and he was telling them the events of Jesus' life, and he got to the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And do you know what the people said to him? They said, what are these strange things that you are talking about? What is this new teaching? Tell us more about it. Even the Jews that Jesus lived with all the time thought that this was a strange idea, that somebody would actually rise from the dead. Jesus uh, during the week before he died, a, a group of religious leaders came to him and they posed this hypothetical question to him. They said, all right, so if the resurrection of the dead is real, what happens then for a woman who is, has, has remarried? If she's got two husbands when she gets to heaven, which one is she going to be married to? And they were like, ha, 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 obviously the resurrection isn't real. That's what they were saying because everybody thought that this was the strangest story they had ever heard. Then along comes Luke, this man, Luke, who writes the book, Luke, that we're, we're reading right now. And Luke goes around and he begins to investigate the story. So he finds Mary, the mother of James and, and her, his sister. And he says to them, okay, so tell me what happened that morning. And she says, well, you know, we went to the tomb and, and we looked in the tomb and it was empty. And he says to her, and how did you think about that? How did you feel about that? And she says, well, I was perplexed, right? People don't rise from the dead. And, you know, not only do they not rise from the dead, but there were guards there. So nobody could have stolen his body. And she says, and this only really started to make sense to me. 
when I began to see Jesus after. Luke says, you saw Jesus afterward? Yeah, I saw Jesus later, that night, the next week, and many times after that. Wow, Luke says, what an incredible event. And so he, he takes it, he writes it down, he copies it down, he passes it around, and people begin to read the story. And you know what? These four writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they're not the only people in the whole ancient world who wrote down that Jesus rose from the dead, but they're most of them. There's just a few others. But do you know how many people wrote down that Jesus didn't rise from the dead? As far as I know, only one, and it's in this book, right? Matthew tells us that there were some people who denied that Jesus rose from the dead. Now, I want you to think about that, right? Because here is Luke saying, hey, Jesus rose from the dead. I'm going to tell everybody. It's only 40 years after Jesus rose from the dead, and only one person takes the time to say, well, maybe he didn't. Out of all of the ancient world, you're telling me that there's a guy walking around saying, Jesus rose from the dead, and only one person speaks up enough to say, no, I don't think he did. And this is in a world where people don't expect people to rise from the dead? I mean, they didn't have IQs of 50, they maybe didn't have antibiotics, and they didn't have MRIs, but they were no fools. I think we have to say that the resurrection is real. It is real. And if the resurrection is real, then it must change everything. Everything has to change. Right? And maybe you want to write that down, that the resurrection is real, and so everything must change. The angels make it happen in a very interesting way. Did you read what the, the angels said? The angel said to the women, you know, he is not here, he's risen. And then they say this key line, and, and you need to hear this key line. They say, remember what he said. Didn't he say that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be crucified, and die? Did you catch that little word must in there? Did you hear that must? This had to happen. Now, what's he saying? Do you have a favorite unhappily ever after story? Everybody has a favorite happily ever after story, right? Maybe it's Disney princesses for you or something like that. Everybody has a favorite happily ever story. But do you have a favorite unhappily ever after story? Uh, if you're a Shakespeare fan, Shakespeare wrote a lot of tragedies. Maybe if you are a Disney princess fan, you're going to have to go to uh, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid and the original Hans Christian Andersen edition is an unhappily ever after story. Uh, if you're a Star Wars fan, maybe you like The Empire Strikes Back. If that you know, does it for you, that's your favorite one because it's an unhappily ever after story. That is what has to happen. There has to be an unhappily ever after do you realize what they're saying here? Jesus, the angels of Jesus, are saying to you and to me that from the very beginning, death has held a hold over us all. Death has pushed you and me in a certain way. It has bent our souls 
in a certain direction. It's holding on to us. And if you have ever said, I think Jesus was a great example. He was a great model to show me how to live my life. Then you've said the exact same thing, the exact same meaning that the angels have said. You're believing the same thing that the the women have said. Because you're saying that Jesus didn't have to die to fix your world. The problem is, is you're too sinful. I'm too sinful. We're too broken. We're too messed up. We can't fix our own world. We can't fix our reality. Our world is too broken for us to change. And someone must die. There has to be an unhappily ever after for you and I to have an happily ever after. But there's a deeper truth as well. There's a deeper truth that when a willing victim makes a sacrifice, then death itself will come undone. Death itself will be rolled back for you and for me. And death will begin to lose its hold on us. That is how we get to a new reality, a a new world. Do you believe that death has already begun to be undone? Because then it's undone in your life. Then you can see more and more how death itself loses its hold on you. Let me give us an example how, how death can be driven from our lives. Um, one of the games that I like to play with my kids when my wife leaves us at home uh, on, a, on an evening, you know, if she goes out and has some fun, we, we play dad scare the kids to death. Um, you probably do this, dads. I know everybody loves this, right? So the, the kids are like, dad, let's turn off all the lights and you can put on your black sweatshirt and run around the house and scare us to death. Okay? Uh, and it's, it, it, all right, so obviously sometimes it turns out terrifyingly awful. Okay, right? It's just, we, it bombs. And they are terrified of me, and I literally do scare them to death. And, and we make it for through three minutes, and then there's sobbing and tears, and we have to turn the lights back on and everything else. However, sometimes, right, sometimes they realize that I would go through hell for them. They realize that I would do whatever it takes to protect them. They realize that I love them, and I would lay down my life for them. I would give everything I have for them. And in the darkness, I'm not such a terror. I bring joy to their lives. The darkness that I can bring to them, it it drives out all of the fear, all of the death, all of the darkness, and giggles and laughter erupt, and we're rolling around on the ground, wrestling with each other. The darkness that I bring drives the death from them. This is what Jesus' death has to do for you and for me. We are walking in a land of darkness and death and we don't even realize it. But when His darkness, this cross, drives the death out of your life, then boom, you've got a new reality. And so what do you and I need to do? The last thing here, the last, that's blank, it says, wonder. Wonder. 
be filled with Easter wonder. See, the women went back to Peter, and they told Peter and all the others, here's what happened, Jesus rose. And, and you do see how Peter and the others heard it? It was nonsense to them, wasn't it? Why? The, the resurrection is a deeply challenging truth. It will change everything about the way you think and the way you act. And then they saw it was real. And how did Peter respond? He was filled with wonder. I want you to remember back to the time when you were a kid and you were interested in secret doors and in secret places and hiding places. Do you ever remember a time where you looked for all of the, the secret doors to a room? Every now and then the kids will come into a church and they'll say, hey, where are all the secret rooms in the church, Pastor? Where can I find the secret rooms? Right? They want to see what's behind the new door. It doesn't matter that the reality of the new life, what's behind that door, is hidden from them. Because death has driven death out of them and they are filled with life. They want to see what's behind the next door. They wonder. And you, too, you have to wonder at the life that is coming next. You have to wonder about the reality that's behind the next door. Because if the death of Christ has driven death from your life, then there is a wonderful new reality to discover. Let these words be the words that you think of today. The angel said, remember this, didn't he say that the Son of Man must suffer many things and die, be crucified, and on the third day rise from the dead? Let those words be the words that fill you with wonder, then you'll find a new day. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, most of us spend way too much time in our lives trying to fix our own worlds, trying to fix our, our reality and make a fresh start all by ourselves. We don't realize that you have provided the, the, the perfect solution that you have driven out death from our lives by your own death and you have pushed us out into a new world, into a new day, a fresh start that we can discover all on our own. All we do is believe you. We ask that you would send our, your Holy Spirit to us so that we do believe you. We trust you to discover this, this new life that you have waiting for us. We ask that you would fill us with that faith, Jesus because you live and reign over all things. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.